Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here with My Outdesk. Today we've got a very special guest. I'm really excited. I saw this guy speak in Breckenridge, Colorado. He blew my mind. Um, Nick Santianasso is here. Um, he's an author, a speaker, um, a bodybuilder, now a, a snowboarder, thanks to some amazing people. Um, and uh, here's, here's the why we brought this in. As an entrepreneur, um, I've grown a ton of businesses and helped our clients grow a lot of businesses. And there's one thing that is always present. People who win have a winning attitude. They have a winning attitude, a great mindset. And honestly, I feel silly because Nick, I don't know if you don't know this because we have, we, we didn't prepare for this and we didn't, but I walked in, I saw you speak and literally inside, I thought I should be so much more grateful than I actually am mm. after hearing you speak. And wow. the reason you're here is because your story is just so in, inspirational. And man, thanks for joining us today. I'm um, dude, I'm pumped up. I'm grateful for the opportunity, brother. Anytime I have the opportunity to get up here and share some wisdom, shift some pr perspectives, I'm, I'm about it. Yeah, so let's, let's, I mean, if you're listening, let's dive in. Like Nick, tell us a little bit about your story. Like, cause people wanna know, like, I mean, I, I saw pictures with The Rock. I, you're on stage in front of thousands of people all the time. Yeah. Like, let, let's hear your story. Yes, for sure. So I'm 6'5". No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm 22 years old in 1996 when my mom was um, pregnant with me. You know, they went in for the first ultrasound. It was great. Second ultrasound, great. And then my mom went in for a late ultrasound. And so basically when they brought my parents in, you know, they brought, that, they brought me up on the screen, the baby, and they said, you know, something's extremely wrong. It doesn't look like his limbs are being developed. He might have a cleft palate. He's missing his legs. And just, you know, the list went on and on. And um, like, I always self-reflect, even to myself, I'm like, you know, how, do you, how does a parent react to that situ situation, right? Like, I, I'm not a parent, but how would, a, how would a parent react? You could become the victim or the victor of that situation. And so my parents were like, looked at each other and said, hey, like, can't change it, right? Like, you know, how Elrod always talks about, like, you can't change it. They were just like, we need to go with the flow here. And so basically, they classified me with Hanhart syndrome. And what Hanhart syndrome is, is a super rare genetic disorder that either leaves the babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. And so actually, at the time of my birth in 1996, I was the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen this happen to. And out of the 12, me being the 12, eight of them have passed away due to undeveloped organs. And so they gave me about a 30% chance to live. And my parents looked at each other and said, hey, we're going to focus on that 30% rather than the 70% because I always tell people focusing on the negative, like I don't care what it is, you know, in any situation in life, focusing on that negative aspect will just always sink you, right? It, it, it doesn't empower you. And, and we'll, get, we'll get into like how disempowering humans are as creatures. Like we're very disempowering people, um, okay. things, right? Um, but so basically they classified me with that and they gave me a 30% chance to live. And then, you know, a couple of months later, my mom went into labor with me. She had a C-section and um, they brought me out. They did tests on my organs and my organs came back 100% healthy. And so like there was this wild event and, you know, like the only thing that was affected were my limbs. And so for those of you watching, I'm born with no legs. That's why I made the joke that I was 6'5". And so yeah. I was born with no legs, one arm with one finger and then this, this little arm, this guy. And yeah. so, I mean, that's, that's, that was the start of the life, right? Yeah. So I'm curious, like, you know, I'm a parent, right? And yep. so I can't imagine what your parents go through. And um, I, I listened to your book prior. And, and if you're listening right now, um, at the end of this, we're going to give away Nick's book um, because it's just, it is, it's a freaking really good. I mean, it's just really good. It like slaps you in their face and like, okay, I need more gratitude in my world. But because you gave your parents a lot of props because um, they handled it right. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I always say my parents are the superheroes. I'm just the offspring. And, and, and the importance of parenting is like, and, and it's, 
it's funny because I'm not a parent and, and I, I'm trying to prepare myself to be a parent and you, yeah. you never can prepare yourself to be a parent. So like, you know, you just always learn as you go. Right. But I'm saying as, as you guys, as parents, you're cultivating your kids' mindsets through your actions, through your words, the way you react, your emotions. I mean, if you don't think your kids are listening, I bet you they're watching. They're always watching. And so the way my parents raised me, like I have to give it up to them because in those early ages, it was either make it or break it. That's how that's, it was either make it or break it for me, I, I believe. And so the way my parents raised me, which was so unique and my biggest advantage was they sat me down at the early age and were like, Nick, you got no legs and one arm and like things are going to be hard, but like, this is how it is. Like, this is how life is. Nothing's going to change. Yeah. You're going to have to adapt to the world. You know, the world doesn't change. And so they would put my clothes in front of me in the most polite way and say, all right, Nick, like tinker with it, you know, figure it out. You know, we'll be here. We'll support you. And, you know, I'd get pissed off and I'd be like, you know, why can't you just help me? And they would say, Nick, you got to go through the motions. You know, you got to go through the motions now. Things are going to be hard now, but later it'll be easy. And so I always, always kind of talk about things as muscles, like the mind's a muscle, like, and there's so many muscles that we need to, you know, exercise and condition. And the biggest muscle my parents helped me exercise was falling on my face and getting back up, like knowing things were going to be hard. So at an early age, like, I always tell people everything I did, I failed at. Like I've, I've always failed at everything, like getting on a chair, feeding myself, you know, putting my clothes on, I failed at everything. And so my biggest advantage was my parents didn't coddle me and they basically helped me exercise the muscle of getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And I, and I think we can all agree that like even nowadays with kids or even adults, like when things get hard, people throw the towel in. And the reason why they do is because they aren't exercising the muscle of doing hard things and falling on their face enough. Yeah. Why, um, why, why do you think you're, I mean, are your siblings, were they raised with the same mindset? Like, are they all out there? Like, or, or was it different for you? So it's funny. My mom talks about, she's like, Nick, you were the last kid. So we knew the most, like, you know, like, (laughs) and kid, and, and at that time, like, kind of like you, you're not as strict, right. With the last kid, because like, you've been through it all, you know, I mean, I don't know, but that's how my parents described it. But even when they brought me home from, you know, my, after my mom, you know, went into labor with me, when they brought me home and they presented me to my siblings, it, it, they didn't even talk about the limbs. They would just say, here's your baby brother. Here's your yeah. baby brother. And, and, my, and my siblings reacted of just like, oh, this is my baby brother. Like they had no idea. And that's the thing with kids. Like if you, if you don't make things different, like they just think it's normal. You know, it's like when a baby falls down, like there's two ways you can react. You can be like, oh my God, are you okay? And the baby freaks out even more. Or you're just like, you're okay, you know, like get up, you know, like you just brush it off. And so my parents just nonchalantly like introduced this unicorn to the family. And (laughs) it's just like, that was their baby brother. You know, that was, they were just excited to have another baby brother. And so, you know, I got beat up with the siblings. Like I just, they, they put me in the mix and, and that was my biggest advantage was my parents just treated me normal. Right. And then, you know, I got thrown into the mix and right. they, they beat me up and my brother was a wrestler and my sister was a gymnast. So she, my sister was a gymnast. She would teach me how to do a handstand to get on a chair. Like, nice. it was just like, this is my baby brother. And like, this, this is it. Like, we don't know any different, you know? Right. Right. Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here, and I wanna tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business right now. You know I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue, and reduce expenses, and the answer is simple. It's My Outdesk Virtual Assistants. My Outdesk offers five-star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States and making our clients over $100 million in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants, and I want to give you the opportunity to learn exactly why. Simply text the word M-O-D, MOD, to 31996, and we're going to give you a free double my business strategy call where you work one-on-one with one of our business growth specialists to design an action strategy for growth and cost savings in your business. We're gonna give you over 20 growth and strategy guides, a market force personality indicator, an important business checklist, and hiring guides. 
My Outdesk admins can help manage your office, your sales, your marketing pipeline, and even help you lead generate and follow up. And during this call, you'll learn exactly how you can put them into your business right now. So again, text MOD to 31996 and get a free double my business strategy call right now and learn how my Outdesk can transform your business today. For everybody listening, I know that some of the lessons that you learned growing up are what makes you a public speaker now and able to speak on this with such authority. What happened? Like, how, how, what was your teenage years like? What was it like to be that kid at school? And yeah. like, I just, I'm, it's a curiosity for me, you know? Yeah, for sure. So growing up, I, and I realized that I realized this a couple years ago because I was, I was looking back at baby pictures. And so I didn't realize I was different. You know, I didn't realize all the things I had going on at a way early age. Um, but I self-reflected and I looked at a picture. I was in kindergarten and a preschool and it was, a, it was a, you know, a school, like a class picture and, it, and we all had Santa hats on. And so it was during Christmas, we all had Santa hats on. And then here was Nick. And I took the picture like this. I had my hands stuck up in my hat because I guess I didn't like the way my hand looked. And so that was like my first sense of insecurity is that I don't even remember that, right? I don't remember that as a kid, but looking back, I'm like, damn, like he must, I must have struggled with like not liking the way my hand looked. And then right. and I realized as I carried on, I, I didn't, now I'm good. Like I love myself, like I could care less, you know, but um, just like conditioning, right? Um, but going into, going into elementary school, like I said, I didn't realize I was different, but there were certain occasions that people let me know as different. And so, for example, I was, I was in third or fourth grade and we were out playing, we were in, we were doing recess and okay. we were playing kickball and you're like, Nick, you know, how do you play kickball? Well, I can run around the bases and so I'd have someone kick for me and I'd run. And oh. so someone kicked the ball for me and I was running and it, I, I got first, I got second, I got third and I slid into home right before they got me out. And I still remember this kid's name. So that's how much it affected me. Yeah. And, um, you know, right. I'm in the, I'm in between, like, I'm already safe. Like it's already done. I'm in between the pitcher and the catcher and the, and the catcher goes, how are you going to let a cripple score on you? Oh, and I'm like, I'm in third or fourth grade, dude. I don't even know like what that word meant probably, but I knew that it was negative. Right. And so yeah. this was my first taste of the, like getting into that victim mentality of like, well, I beat you fair and square. <laughs> and like, why me? You know, like, why are these kids calling me these names? You know, like, why do you have to bring that? Like, why, you know? And, and everyone gets into the victim mentality at least once in our life. We, we, we can self-reflect on a time where we're like, why me, right? Everyone. And for those of you listening and watching, I want, to take, I want you to take a sense of comfort in that, that everyone goes through it. Don't think you're just some random case that like, wow, I'm a weirdo and I'm a victim. Like everyone goes through. Yeah. And so there was a case like that. And then I was in... I was probably in sixth or seventh grade and I had to take the short bus because of my wheelchair with the wheelchair ramp. And so I was, I was sitting in the bus and this girl was just going, going around the whole bus, making fun of people. And I still remember her name. So you know how much it affected me. And you know, I'm sweating. I'm like, Oh man, she's going to have a field day with me. And she gets up to me and she goes, I don't even have to start with you. You're already too messed up anyway. Hmm. And I'm like, I don't even like, why? Like, why why are you saying this to me i didn't do anything to you and not only was was it the words that came of came out of her her mouth but it was the fact that she was a female and so in in high school and middle school females are a big deal for dudes and whichever way you go i don't care whichever way you go you're craving that opposite energy right and so now i'm starting to stack you know we talk about stacking positive stacking or negative stacking and and what i mean by that is you notice when you start your day off on the wrong foot, so to say, right? You roll out, roll out of the bed and one negative thing happens right off the rip. You tend to start just thinking about all the negative things that are going on. You tend to start nitpicking ourselves. We're very disempowering creatures. And so if you don't dig yourself out of that hole, you're going you're gonna to dig yourself deep. Okay, so, so hold on. How do you – you said it. You opened the door. So negative stacking, positive stacking, how do you dig yourself out? And, and nobody would know more than you, in that scenario, that story you just sh shared. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know how. And the one, I didn't know how to get out of that time. I wanna let people know that clear. I was still struggling. I, I've only learned how to get out of these negative holes a couple years ago. So I don't want people to think that I was this guru back in the day, right? 
But the thing is, the number one key is self-awareness. And so what I mean by that is even, even now, like you ever, you ever have a time where like, I used to go through school and like just be in this pissed off mood and I wouldn't realize that my eyebrows were crouched down. And so mm -hmm. I'd just be like, you know, like resting like bitch face, so to say. I don't know if we're allowed to curse <laughs> you, but like, you know? Yeah. And people are like, dude, what's wrong? And you don't even realize that you're in this state, you know, you don't, because you're just going through the motions. And so the, the biggest thing is self-awareness, right? Realizing your physiology, you know, are you slumped over? Like, how is your phys physiology? Like, are your shoulders rolled back? Like, how are you talking? What are the thoughts that are going through your head? And then the second step, you got to sit in the guck. You got to sit in the mud for a little bit. You got to sit in, sit in that state and realize, I don't like the thoughts that are going through my head. I don't like the way I'm feeling. Okay, now it's time to dig myself out of the hole. But like, you got to sit in the guck for a little bit to, to know that you don't want to be in that state anymore, right? right. And right. so then you, you got to, the way you, you reverse stack is now you got to start thinking about all the things you're grateful for. Like you got to start self-reflecting. And I, what, what I've realized is the people that have a hard time self-reflecting on moments they're proud of and yeah. moments they're grateful for, it just means you don't, you don't do it enough. And that's okay. You're, like you're already a step ahead realizing that you, you don't reflect enough. So what I'm saying is you need to start stacking all the positive things. Like, man, I woke up today. I, yeah. I, I have a heart. You know, I was given this heart. I have a family or I have food in my refrigerator. I have a bed. I mean, this stuff is going to dig you out because perspective and gratitude will always ground you and bring you back to that thing. And like, I, I, and, and like, this isn't just like mindset mumbo jumbo, the emotion of gratitude emotionally, like scientifically, it is emotionally impossible for you to feel grateful and sad or grateful and angry at the same time. So right. like if you're in these negative, negative feelings or negative emotions, go back to gratitude. Go back to what you're grateful for. Go back to that perspective. It will, it, will, it will always bring you back to where you need to be. You know what slapped me in the face? I'm listening to your book, and one of the things that you said is, be grateful for hot water. And I'm like, what are you talking about, hot water? Like, how do you be grateful for hot water? Because there are people in Africa that don't have anything. And it's like, that simple. Oh, my God, like you go outside, you see a dude sleeping on a bench. Like, what do we have to complain about? Like, Oh my, like it, 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 it fires me up because, and, and I used to be an ungrateful kid too. Like, I don't want to like get, get the you know, a wrong like perception. I mean, I used to be an ungrateful kid too. Like we all go through this ungrateful stuff, but like, even I know a man with no legs and one arm that there are millions of people in the world that would switch places with me in an instant because they just don't have it. Like I do. They don't have food. That's more than enough for me, brother. That is way more than enough for me, you know? So as you, you, you mentioned it earlier, so I'm, I'm going to ask, you yeah, know, yeah. relationship with women, like how is that, how has that affected you in an early age and now as an adult? Like, talk to me about that. I'm, I'm more than curious, you know? Great. So, so talking, piggybacking off of that girl story. So girls were my biggest su suicide trigger. Mm. Girls were my biggest suicide trigger. The girls were the biggest thing that made me dig myself into the darkest hole because I told you we tend to stack on these thoughts, right? So after that girl said that to me, the thoughts that go through my head continuously as a middle school and high school is, okay, Nick, girls think you're disgusting. Girls think you're different. Nick, how are you going to walk a girl to your locker? You can't. Even if you got to the locker, how are you going to open a locker for her? How are you going to hold her books? Is she going to want to hold your finger? That's disgusting. Like these are the thoughts that go through my head. Wow. Because like that one girl put that, put that thought in my head that like, dude, you're, you're messed up. You're like, you're disgusting. And I'm just like, Oh my God, you're right. Like this is how girls portray me. And I didn't. So th those would like girls would drive me into my biggest suicidal triggers because like, that was a big deal. Right. I see my friends getting loved on, you know, I see, you see it all over and I crave that. I crave that feminine energy and I never got it the way I wanted to. And so m the power of reframing things changed my life. And, and so what I mean by that is everything's the meaning you attach behind things. And so I didn't, I didn't have this breakthrough until a couple of years ago. Like I was struggling with this until a couple of years ago. One of my friends helped me realize this, but I, I realized that Nick, if a girl doesn't want to further a relationship with you, if a girl doesn't want to dive deeper and connect with you on whatever level it may be because of your physical differences, well, then this physical differences is an authentic filter and it's filtering out the girls that you don't want in your life anyway. Boom. How empowering is that? That's a like big change my life 
because I realized, and, and like when I shit, like, dude, and I, when I share that on stage, girls like, oh my, like, it's so hot. Like, it's so amazing. Like, it's so attractive. Like, I realized like, not only being authentic, but sharing what you struggled with and sharing what you currently struggle with is just like people relate, man. And people just connect with you. And, and I've realized like for all of you guys and girls out there, I've realized looks, looks are there. Like looks are like kind of important, but I promise you it's the way you connect with people. It's energy. Like it's all energy. And, and, and so that is probably the biggest, like, in, like reframe that changed my life was like realizing like, dude, like if that girl, if that girl says something to you, kick rocks. Like you're not, you're not, you're not even on my frequency. Like you're not even, you're not even on my level anyway. Like this disability is doing me a favor. It's so empowering. And that, and, and so when I reframe my life like that, like now it's amazing. And I, and I meet amazing, amazing women that are, you know, driven, goal oriented, like all on my frequency and everything's about frequency. And those girls that are going to deny you for the, for those physical differences, they're on like a way low wavelength. Like, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> They're not going anywhere and you wouldn't want them anyways. Yeah, right. But how empowering is that? You see, like in a snap of a finger, you take a situation that you were the victim and you spin it. You put, a, you put an empowering media behind it and you're the victor now. So how do I, um, if, if I've got something that I'm challenged with, how do I have that reframe? Like what are the steps to cause that reframe? And then how do you practice that so that you're freaking amazing at it? Yeah, so ask yourself like like this is a, this is a literally an exercise that everyone can implement immediately right now and so i always quote nelson mandela and nelson mandela said i don't lose in life i don't lose i only win or learn and so when you frame your life at winning or learning so basically right now you can take an event in your life in in the past that you thought was a loss right that you thought was negative yep. and you ask yourself what else could this mean what was one, because I promise you, there was always one good piece of information that you can pull out of every event. I don't care how negative you think it is. There's always one good thing that you can pull out of it, whether it was a different perspective, whether it was a different piece of knowledge, whether right. it was a different, like, there's always, there's always something that comes, comes out of it. And so you take an L and you extract the good and you turn it into a W. And so like, when something bad happens to you or like, let me, like if I could quote, quote unquote, something bad, like when you think something in the future, guys, like when something you think is negative, ask yourself, well, what else can this mean? Or what did I learn from it? Because I promise you, you can learn something from every event. And when you learn from something, you win, you yeah. win that way you never lose. And so you need that. You need it to, to be at an anchor. Like what else can this mean? And that also goes back to the mind frame of the world is happening for you and not to you. The majority of the people think the world's happening to them and they're the victim and all this stuff is so bad and the world's happening for you. You just need to realize it and you need to pull that stuff out of it. Now you're mixing wisdom. So I got to, I got to slow you down. Okay. So if, if, if I need a reframe or I feel like I have a loss, the question is, what did I learn or, or what, what else can this mean? What else can this mean? Okay. What else can this mean in a positive, what's positive that comes out of it? Okay. That's good. That's good advice. Okay. And now you switch to a whole nother thing. Let's talk through that, that perspective, like break that down. Um, like the world is happening for me versus, you know, yeah, to so me. The, the majority, I, the majority of the world, they just think the world's happening to them and they're not in control and all this stuff. But when you reframe, like when you start living life and you're like, everything's happening for me, like I said, whether it's you got punched in the face or whether you got in a car accident, somehow, some way, this happened for you. There was a benefit. Something came out of it. Maybe it woke you up. Like, I don't know what it is in their life, but there's always some way that you could be like, man, this happened for me. This was good. Like, how did, how did you learn this lesson? Like personally in your struggle as you went through life? Yeah. My whole life. I was like, why am I born with no legs and one arm? <laughs> my whole life. Like, this is the stupidest stuff. Why? Like, I was suicidal. I didn't want to look into a mirror. I didn't want to go into public. I, I, I hated myself. I wanted to take my life. And then I realized like, oh my God, this no legs and one arm thing is my biggest superpower. It's my biggest influence. This is what helps me break down people's barriers and help me get them to open up and make that breakthrough. It's my biggest superpower. That's why, that's why I'm able to speak like, because I, I, I realized that man, there's so much to talk about. But like when people realize our problems become gifts, once we learn from them, your life will change. 
like the things that you think are so negative about yourselves, I promise you, those are your biggest advantages. Those are your biggest things that set you apart in business. Like, like I, my, one of my mentors and my good friend, Andy Frisella, I don't know if you know Andy Frisella, MF CEO project. He's the CEO of first form, but he, I have a scar on my face too, but he has a scar on his face. And at yeah. first, like, this is the worst thing in the world. Like, this is so, this is so, sh like, so bad, right? <laughs> and then people, then he started networking and doing business. And they were like, oh, you know that, you know that guy with the scar on his face, Andy? And that's how they were, they were like, people would remember Andy. That's a good, that's an advantage. You yeah. know, so it's just like that. I wanted to give an example of someone else's life rather than mine. Right. right. And so it's just like. Focus, focus on like your, your advantages, like, like your strengths, right? And like how you are so unique, like the things that you're probably hating on yourself, how can you switch those and, and start using them to get the best of your ability? Because life all deals us a deck of cards and you may think your deck is great. You may think your deck of cards is mediocre. You may think it's terrible, but it's our duty to play that hand to the best of our ability. So you've taken this to a whole nother level because you're – biggest challenge growing up has become your biggest strength, that whole victim to victor, right? I mean, that's 100%. How did you realize that that was your life's calling? Like, how did you go through that process of like, holy crap, I'm called to help empower other people? Like, what was the, what was the event that changed your life? Yeah, so there was one event, but I'm still learning. I'm still learning that it is. Every, every day, like when, you know, people come up to me and you know, when I, even when I started speaking, like right in the beginning of my career, I'd come off and I'd ask my, my business partners, like, how was that? You know, was it good? Like, I, I don't think my story's cool. Like, I didn't think it was cool. But then I, you know, like, and I want to let everyone know real quick, like, we all have a story. And I don't want anyone to compare stories and think well, that story's better and mine's less important. I promise you, when you open up about the things you're currently struggling with, and you, and you open up and you tell your story of the things you struggle with, there are always people that are going to connect and relate with you. Like, and I don't want anyone to think that my story is cooler than theirs. Like everyone's story is badass. Everyone's story is like unique to them. Yep. Um, there was a moment I was wrestling and I came uh, to Matt. You were wrestling. Yeah. Uh. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot we can even go into that because I amputated five inches of this arm off to wrestle. Like there's so much we can cover. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a wrestling coach. So I'm all yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm all about it. Like, the mental toughness that's required for that sport is insane. Yeah. Well, wrestling. So my older brother was a wrestler. So I always looked up to him and yeah. I thought wrestling was the coolest thing. Are they are the coolest thing? And yeah. so when I got into high school, I'm in this low point, right? And I'm trying to figure out how to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And so all my best friends were wrestlers. I, I bowled my first year. My one buddy got me to bowl and I was like, ah, this is not for me. Yeah. And so all my best friends went back to wrestling. They were stud wrestlers. I'm from New Jersey. So wrestling's like a big deal. Yeah. And, um, talking about humans being disempowering we always we, the majority of us start with can't always like oh we can't do this because this 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 and this well you know how empowering is that and so i always view my life of how because how will stimulate solutions it's not mindset mumbo jumbo it will stimulate solutions when you say how am i going to do this how am i going to break through this goal whatever it may be and so i was marinating on the thought i was like man how can i become a wrestler and so i came home one day and i said mom and dad you know i want to be a wrestler and my parents supported me in everything and anything, but this is this was a little bit different. My mom was like, "Oh no, Nick! You know, God forbid, wrestling's the most <laughs> physical sport. You hit your arm because for those of you listening, this arm was five inches longer than it is now, and my bone was growing faster than my skin, and so my my bone couldn't keep up. And so, if, the bottom line is, if I would have hit my arm hard enough, my bone would have came through my skin. Mm. So I came home. I said, "Mom and Dad, you want I want to be a wrestler? Nick, what about your arm?" And I said, "Can we cut it off?" And they said, what? I'm a 16-year-old kid. They said, what? And I said, yeah, you know, can we cut it off? And they said, first off, the right word is amputate. You're so aggressive with your words. Let's, let's use the right <laughs> word. I'm like, all right, let's, let's amputate my arm. And so they were like, Nick, is this something that you really want to do? And I said, yeah. And, you know, we, my sophomore year, we scheduled the amputation. They did a skin graft. So they lasered five inches of my bone off. They pulled extra skin from up here by my shoulder, pulled it over so I could beat people up with it. And so my junior year, I was a JV wrestler, but yeah. I went into the room real quick, just to touch on this. I went into the room and I told all my buddies, I said, beat me up guys. Like, do not hold back on me. Like slam me and do whatever you need to do. Because if you hold back on me, I'm not going to become the best wrestler I could possibly be. And that yeah. was the same approach my parents took. And so my senior year, I was two and 17. I got two more real wins than I got the previous year. And that's called winning progression. Yeah. And so 
I came off the mat after getting my butt kicked as usual. And I was trying to catch my breath. And this lady came up to me crying. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, what did I do wrong? And she said, Nick, I want to thank you. And I said, for what? And she said, well, my daughter's over there on the bleachers. And she never wanted to do a sport. She never wanted to do an extracurricular activity. But she saw you out there. You, you not only motivated it and inspired her, but you shifted her perspective. She's asking me to try all these sports. I want to thank you. And I was like, boom, light bulb went off in my head because I was on the mat for myself. I was, yeah. I was on the mat trying to deck my, I wasn't trying to inspire anyone. Nick wasn't trying to be motivational, inspiring, <laughs> Nick, but I was changing lives. And I was like, holy, holy cow. You know, like imagine if I focus my energy on helping people, like what could I do? But like how you said, it, it wasn't just one event. Like I'm still learning that I'm, this is my calling because right. like we all have our days. Like I, I have days, man, where I wake up and I'm like, dude, you're not doing enough. Like you suck. Like we all have these days, right? Like we yeah. just, you could be the most successful person, but you have a day where you wake up like, dude, you're a bum, right? Like it's, this is how human, this is how we, this is how we operate. Sure. And, and it takes like an intro on a podcast for me to be like, Oh my God, I did do all these things. Or it yeah. takes someone coming up, up to me after my seminar crying and saying, you know, I, you saved my life. Like I'm still learning brother. And, and that's what I want everyone to realize is like, each and every day we're learning what our calling is. You know, it may be one specific event, but each and every day we're conditioning and, and, and just, you know, realizing what our calling is. I love what you said. Progression is winning because I'm a hard charging entrepreneur. Our audience, the folks that work here at my outdesk, we have over 1200 virtual assistants. We help businesses scale. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, I'm effing crazy. I'm always we are crazy. <laughs> I want to win, man. And, and I push myself, I push my team, I push our people. But that definition that you have, progress is winning. Talk, talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah, man, progress is winning. And, and, and I, came with, I came up with that when I realized that my lowest and my lowest and darkest days are the days where I'm the most stagnant. I, I don't have much going on. So say, say I'm coming off of a tour, a speaking tour, and I come home and I have like a week home to chill, right? Like I'll chill for a couple of days and recharge. And then I'm like, dude, like, all right, let's get back. Like you get the jitters, right? Like you need to get back to doing something. And the reason is humans love the feeling of progress. I mean, ask yeah. anyone, right? Everyone loves moving the needle forward, whether it's personally or professionally, right? And so it's funny, I came off the one, the one, it's a good thing I have one finger, I always say. It's the one, <laughs> the one thing. The one thing. And that's what I'm telling people. If you find yourself in a slump, if you find yourself in a rut, and you're like, man, I don't know how to get out of it, do that one thing. That one thing today that you know is going to evolve you into a better human being. And that could be a big thing or a small thing. That could be reading a book. That could be riding your bike. That could be doing meditation. That could be texting your parents, I love you. Anything. But do one thing today that you know is going to evolve you into a better human being. And that'll start the snowball effect. Because... We love progression. And, 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 as, and, and I want people to self-reflect on that. Like we're hustlers, right? We're grinders. And, and it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse because you always want more and there's never enough. Right. Um, but it's super important to self-reflect and realize that like, man, I really did go from A to D or A to J. Like you got to self-reflect on the journey. And um, because we're so hard on ourselves, right? We, we're so hard on ourselves as entrepreneurs and, and you know, whatever, whatever we're doing, we're just, we want the best, but it's so important to self-reflect on our wins and, I, and, and that's something that I haven't done enough. And it's something I realized speaking all over is people aren't exercising the muscle of self-reflection enough. It's interesting. Um, I love Zig Ziglar. He's like the old school guy. The OG. He's the OG. And he said, if, you know, if you can't take a large step, take the biggest step you can right now. And I think that advice is just wow, phenomenal. That was fire. Hold on. I need to, someone type <laughs> that in. <laughs> type that in. I love that. Uh, and, and Ziggler is like one of those guys, you know, um, so I think that kind of works well. Um, how, you know, it's interesting. One thing that's amazing about you, we were in Breckenridge snowboarding and you have no legs, one arm, one finger. How the hell do you do all these amazing adventures? I've seen you on uh, balloons. I've seen you climbing mountains, snowboarding, and I've only known you six months. So <laughs> like, First of all, how do you do all these things and what's it like to be, to set these goals that are just kind of outrageous for the average person really? Yeah, I'm going to make it very simple. And that's the, that's the fact of, I'm going to try everything. I'm going to okay. try absolutely everything. 
um, you know, and I'm going to live my life with more re remember whens than less what ifs. And so what I mean by that is just like climbing a mountain. My, my team, they flew me, we flew out to Arizona. They said, let's go on a hike. They didn't say it was a mountain. They yeah. said, let's go on a hike. They pulled up and they're like, hey, you're climbing this mountain. And by the way, we're going to film a mindset program while you do it. I'm like, okay. And, and this also comes into the, the importance of like support groups and accountability groups. Like when we were climbing, it, it was a three mile mountain. It took me four and a half hours to get to the top. And I made my team carry me down. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not climbing down. I climbed up. You guys carry me. You <laughs> yeah. um, but there, the environment, there was not one, one piece of energy of doubt. Everybody I, knew you were going to do it. No one ever said, Nick, you're tired. Nick, you need to stop. No, here, Nick, here's your water. We're almost there, Nick. You're 50% of the way, Nick. It wasn't, oh, you need, uh, like, it wasn't any of that coddling. And that's the importance of accountability groups is like people that love on you, but push you when you know you need to be pushed. Mm -hmm. And um, so that, that's also important. But with all these things, like I said, man, I'm going to try everything. And I much rather fail and fall on my face and pursue something that I'm passionate about than sit on the sideline and, and think, man, I wonder if I could do that. Well, you know, what's interesting. Something that has struck me about you is consistently you are stretching yourself and that's not normal. It's not normal. And, uh, I think even, even our audience, like, how do you push yourself to be extraordinary? Like, how do you get out of that kind of mindset that the average person is and then go do epic stuff? like snowboarding, for instance, like that. I mean, how do you, I mean, I, I get why you want to try everything. You probably are like me. I'm an entrepreneur. I like a lot of variety in my world. Right. But there is something unique about what you're up to. And I think the audience could take it away and, and learn something from that. Yeah. So the biggest David Osborne, um, you know, David Osborne, right? Yeah. So yeah. One of the biggest wealth traps is the know-it-all, the know-it-all syndrome. And so what my biggest, like our biggest skill, even as a company, like it's one of our like core values is being a student of the game and being a student of the game requires you to drop your ego and realize that you only know what you know and that you can learn any, you can pull away any you know, super powerful nugget from a janitor to the CEO, like anyone, but like people's ego gets in the way of that. And so for me, I'm always just looking for a way to grow. Like you said, stretch myself, but that, that, that's me just trying to be a student and just like trying to learn things. And so yeah. I think that people's egos get in the way and they're like, oh, I can't learn from that. I already know too much about that. Or, you know, like I want to learn more about snowboarding and, and I want to learn if I can do it and I want to put myself out there. And if I fall, I fall. And if I, if I suck at it, I suck at it. Like, but at least I tried. And like inside of you, knowing that you gave it your all and tried, you feel so great. And like yeah. people, you know, like, yeah, well, I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, I just, I always just want to push myself because I know that I always have to grow. And I, and I also like everyone can, I, I view myself as a lantern. My, I'm, I'm a lantern and everyone can use this analogy. I don't care. Mm -hmm. um, I use my light. I look at my life as a lantern. And what I mean by that is I'm trying to be the light for people that are going through the darkness. I'm trying to give as much love, as much contribution, as much value. But if I'm not doing things that recharge that lantern, I can only give so much of myself. I'll burnt out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I do things that like make me kind of scared, like snowboarding and swimming with sharks. I, I'm not saying go swim with sharks guys, but I'm saying like, I do things that make me excited. And you know, like it, the one thought, man, I'm all over, but the one thought that fascinates me and scares me at the same time. And I think about it every single day is you're going to die. Yeah. You're going to die. Yeah. You can die tomorrow. I was last night, I was laying on the couch and I was like, I can close my eyes and I don't know if I'm going to wake up today. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like, while I'm here on the earth, I'm going to try everything and I'm going to do my best to the ability to become the best version of myself, the best version of myself. I mean, Ed Milet, one of, one of my great friends and great mentors, he has a great analogy and he says, when you die and you, whatever your, I don't care whatever your religion is, I'm, don't push religion, but when you die and you meet your maker, whatever your maker is, it could be a potato, it could be a girl, like, I don't care what it is, but when you meet your maker and he, and, and he brings up the version of you that you could have been, you yeah. don't want that to happen. You wanna be identical twins with that person. You wanna be like, hey man, well done. You grew into the person that I know you could have been. You are me. I am you. 
You don't want, like, you don't want to be in your deathbed thinking, man, I wish I would have swam with sharks or I wish I would have went in a hot air balloon. I wish I would have tried that business. You don't want to be that guy or girl. You don't want to be that person. And so that's, that's the thought that always goes through my head that I don't want to have any regrets. And, and the way that I don't have any regrets is I just try things. Hmm. I don't care if I suck at it. I don't care if I fail. I'm going to try it. Yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting is, uh, so our audience, we, we literally emailed half a million people because your message is so powerful. And, you know, to be honest, mindset and like pushing through barriers and what you're about, it's not super sexy because it requires self-discipline, hard work. And, you know, to all those people that saw the invite but didn't come, like, what would you tell them? Like, what, what is it that entrepreneurs, leaders about your story that they need to hear that if they did, it would shift their whole world? Well, first it was just what we touched on, right? If you saw the invitation and you said all oh, mindset, I already, I'm already a mindset master. That's your ego. Yep. They're already in the wealth. They're already in the wealth trap. You know, right. you're already thinking that you, that you can't learn from a 22 year old or you can't learn from a man with no legs and one arm. You're already like, you're already like losing. And so right. like, not in a bad way, but like, that's already the ego. And so boom, that, that, that'll be a, a shift in their perspective, realizing like, man, I, I, maybe I should be more open to being a student more. Right. And so, I mean, I think that just, that hits it on the, hits it right on, right on the nail. Right. It's just like ego, man, ego, <laughs> ego is a killer. It's a killer. It's a killer. Yeah. And so it's, and, and that's another muscle exercising the muscle of dropping your ego because it's tough, especially as alpha males for the guys out there and the, and the alpha females, like, the people that are just leaders and stuff like it takes a lot to sit back and be like, shit, I didn't know that. Or that's a good idea. And, and to admit it, you know, right. but like, man, my whole thing is like, show up genuine, show up authentic, show up transparent, show up what you're struggling with, show up what you need help with, ask people for help, ask questions. People want to help, right. you know, and, 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 in a time nowadays, like there are less genuine, authentic people than, I mean, there, yeah, there, there are more fake people than there are genuine, authentic people. And so when you show up in your business, when you show up in your family and you're authentic and you're transparent, that's an advantage in itself because people know when you drop the dollar sign above your client's heads and you look at them and you say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? People just want to get treated like people and people just want to know you care. Right. It's nuts. Um, what are some of the things that you're going to be doing this year and next year? I think I, I, I'm just, I'm, we're, we're wrapping up. We've got about 15, 10, 15 minutes left, but what, are, what's in your world, Nick, where, where are you going to be doing? What are you going to be tackling in the next, you know, six months to a year? Yeah, I got a lot of, a lot of exciting new things, um, new, new things to stretch me. Right. And so right now I'm getting ready for my second China tour. And so um, May 15th through June 5th, I'll be touring all over China speaking. And nice. um, I plan on, so I speak things to exist, into existence too, right? And so I'm going to take over the Asia speaking market. I'm, I already have it. Like, I'm just, give me a couple of years, I'm going to be the biggest thing over in Asia because they're not exposed to people like me because they're, yeah. they're put out on the street, they're institutionalized, all these things, right? So I'm just, I'm just blowing minds over there. And so I'm just super grateful for that opportunity. Also, Nick's biggest dream, like my biggest childhood dream was to be a performer, was to be a, a singer and a rapper. I can sing. People don't know it. I play the full set of drums when I was younger, uh, an electric drum set. People didn't know that. There's a lot of things that people don't know. Um, and so I'm getting back into like this past year, my, my soul has been craving me to just create music. And, and the one thing that I've reflected on in the past is like, Nick, okay, you didn't, you didn't become a famous singer and a rapper in the six months that you tried when you were 17, like, who are you to quit? Right. And so, um, I'm writing an album right now and I'm writing an album. It's like singing hip hop, but it's meaningful substance, like personal development, but in rap, like hot songs. And the, not only do I love music and music moves worlds, right. But I can only touch so many people through personal development stages, but I yep. can touch masses. I can touch, you know, millions through music because music makes you feel some type of way. And if I can plant the right seeds in the music, then I'm subconscious, like I'm, I'm planting the right seeds. They don't even know it. And right. so I have, line, like I have a line in my song is life is a wave and I'm staring at a title. I'm just trying to be the light for the kids that are suicidal. That was me coming, step into my shoes. I'll crack the no legs joke first. So technically you lose like just showing people how like you spin things and how the, how your mind's a garden and like just, 
And that's how you connect with people. That's how you build like a cult like fan base, not only in, in business, but in music is like, you let people know what you're going through and, and your, your fan base, your audience is going to be a bunch of kids that are going through some shit. It's going to be a bunch of adults that are going through the same thing you're going through and they relate to your music. And so I'm working on my album right now. Um, and I, and I want to tour, I want to tour on my album. I want to sing all over. So I want to take over, I want to take over, you know, the entertainment and music and stuff. I want to become a DJ. Like, why not? My whole thing is like, why not? Um, and so dude, everything, I want to do everything. (laughs) I love it. What are, um, what are some things that as an entrepreneur, we, we should learn from you? Like the one or two things, like as an entrepreneur, What's the one or two things that you just kind of, if you, if you, when you see it walking around, you're like, oh, that guy needs this message really bad. What are the one or two things that you, you bring to people? The one thing I've realized is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, and so what I mean by that is whatever industry you're in, whether it's real estate, I don't care what, what industry, right? Find out who's crushing it and study them. Find out what they're doing right and do more of those things. Find out what they're doing wrong and don't do those things. But like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you can make it smoother. Yes. Like for me, like when I start, like guys, like bodybuilding, didn't know anything about bodybuilding when I started. Modeling, had no idea. Speaking, no idea how to build a speaking company. But like I said, student of the game, like we, we got as close as we could to the mentors. And if you can't get to your mentors personally, read their books, watch their YouTube videos. But like, there was so much information. And, and that was like a big thing for me. It was like, Nick, you don't got to reinvent the wheel. Like, there are successful speaking companies out there. There are successful people right. modeling, like bodybuilding, like just like, you don't have to like, re- like it's, it, that was, that was a big, big shock for me. It's just like, Oh my God, like the, the plans are already out there. Just do it your way. And just like do the right things. Put the um, Nick spin on it, but do it. Yeah. And then also networking, like relationships, being able to like one of our core values in our company is longevity. I'm not here for quick fixes. I'm here for longevity relationships. And so providing always providing win-win situations so say you're you want to learn from a mentor like go buy him coffee or go do something nice for him like just shock them it's it pattern interrupts right like and and never want to take just and and the one and also like after all these calls and after every interaction just just at the end tell people do not hesitate to reach out to me if there's anything i could do if there's anything my team could do for you please don't read please don't hesitate just reach out to me and that goes back to treating people like people and letting people know you care because like the secret sauce, I said it on my story the other night. I'm like, you guys want to know the secret sauce? Be authentic. Like yeah. actually care about people. Like, holy cow. Like, like actually care about people. Yeah. And that's what I do. Like the way I incorporated caring about people and showing people I care is like with speaking, like I don't show up and I, and I collect a check and leave. I make sure that I'm the ending and I do the meet and greet. I signed 400 books with my chin right in front of people to show them that I care. Like, what are you doing to set yourself apart? What are you doing to let people know that you care more than the rest of the industry? Right. Selfishly, I have, uh, this is my last question. Um, You mentioned energy and as an entrepreneur, as a leader, the vibrations that you put out there, the energy that you have, it's contagious. If you want good things, positive energy, how do you manage your daily energy to have a positive impact on so many people and also keep your mind right? Um, in the entrepreneur game, we, we, we suffer setbacks. I was on a call earlier with a friend and I was like, man, if you want to really blow this up, you got to choose it because it's freaking hard. It's hard to win. It's hard to build a team. It's hard to be where we're at. It's sexy. Yeah, it's not sexy. It's hard. It's hard work. It takes a long time. It's a lot of discipline. And you can make a lot of money if you just want to be your own guy. But if you decide you want to lead people and build something that lasts, you know, you have to choose it. And sometimes you suffer defeats. And how do you, I want to end with this one question, because I think it's such an important question for entrepreneurs. How do you do it? So to start off, I still struggle, right? I still struggle with it. Um, I just want to put it out there. I'm still a 22 year old kid. And I still play Xbox and you know, sometimes I shouldn't be playing Xbox and I should be creating content, but like I struggle, like we all struggle, right? Yeah. Yeah. I am, you got to be very choosy and very, very choosy and very wise of where you put your energy and who you're giving your energy to. And so like, you need to be very clear on the people, the right people that need to be in your circle that you, you give your time to, because like, 
we're always getting pulled in all these different directions, right? And there's only one of us, right? And there's only so much energy we can give. So I'm very, I'm very choosy of, and, and wise of who I give my energy to. And, and um, for some of you, I mean, the hardest thing, the, one of the hardest things probably in, in entrepreneurship, but in life is like, sometimes it's our closest family and friends that we like are holding us back. Right. And so the one thing, and I struggle with that. And so the one thing I've realized is that you don't need to drop these people out of your life, but you need to love them from afar. You need to love them from afar and realize that it's not it, like, it's not being selfish. It's being selfless, right? Like you're focusing on yourself. Um, but just loving people from afar, like the people that you, I don't want to give you all my energy. Like I, I, I got, I need to put my energy elsewhere. Just love them from afar and, and, and don't feel bad about it because that was, that was one of my biggest struggles when I, like my life changed very quickly. Like I went from, you know, a kid in high school, then I was a famous prankster. I had a million followers on Vine. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know what's going on. And then, you know, that stopped and then it became a bodybuilder. And then now like, like my friend, like my friends back home, you know, they see me touring all around the world. And at first it was tough, right? It was, and, and, um, you know, it was just tough to move away from them. It was tough to not talk to them as much and, and put my energy elsewhere. And maybe I'm not talking to my parents as much, which sucks, but like, for the people that you care about, this is the one thing that I need to do that I'm going to take my own advice, right? But the people that you care about and that you want to love from afar, but keep in contact, you got to schedule the time for them. Because if you don't schedule time, like a five minute FaceTime call, if you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. And, and I, I don't talk to my parents as much as I should. I'm going to put that out there. I don't talk to my parents as much as I should. I don't talk to my siblings as much as I should. And so what, that's the thing is just scheduling things. If you don't schedule things, they're not going to get done. And yep. so just being very, very wisely of, you know, wise of where you're, where, you're, where you're putting your energy. And, and I wanted to give the example of like, there's days where I play Xbox where I shouldn't be playing Xbox. And it's just like, sometimes it's a recharge. It's sometimes it's like, all right, Nick, like you, you played enough, like you need to, but like, I want to let people know I struggle with the same stuff that they're struggling with, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just, that's being human, right? Yeah. All right, Nick, you're amazing, man. Thank you. If you're listening in the show notes, we're going to kind of put a, a link. My Outdesk, Nick is giving away his audiobook. Um, it's a really nice, I think it's about two hours worth of listening and you can speed it up. So I did it in like 45 minutes. Perfect. Yeah. And so it's a phenomenal book. Uh, it's Victim to Victor. Um, yep. And it walks through Nick's full life story and some of his strategies. Um, Nick, this has been awesome as I expected, you freaking rock this thing. Um, thanks for, for joining us today. You got it, brother. Grateful for the opportunity. I appreciate everyone listening. And uh, like I said, guys, do, do that one thing. One thing today, you know, is going to evolve you into a better human being. Love it. Thanks, everyone. Boom.